I want to welcome every one of you present in church here tonight or this Wednesday night service. And those following us online also want to say welcome to you. We are living in a very uncertain time. When I say uncertain, uh, some people might be dogmatic enough to say what is going to happen in the next few months. But I had, I had someone, spoke, uh, I spoke to someone today and the person said to me, well, you know, with all the events that's going on, we might end up with the second world war. So I said, no, you mean third world war. <laughs> so he said, oh, third? I said, yeah, we already finished two and we're at the brink of possibly a world war. Um, it is trying times and we have to just pray and ask God to keep our spirits right. Uh, there was a time in history when things were happening and the world has an uncertainty about it that people crowd, they crowd the church. The church was crowded out because people are there asking God for mercy. Today, individuals, children of God are callous. Uh, no matter what you preach, they listen to you and they don't think it's necessary. A lot of us that say we are believers are not really believers. And so tonight we are here and um, I won't have the flash up for you because we don't have uh, the flash up person is not well. Two individuals, one is out of town, the other one is not well. But uh, we want to pray and ask God to give us a good service. So here is what you do. We will pray and start the service. Nadine is over there. She's going to be leading us in the song service. And um, I don't sing a lot. I try my best, but then I save my voice for talking. Uh, because I, get, I can get, I can lose my voice so quickly. So join me with prayer and then uh, just join in the choruses as you uh, remember what the choruses are like. All right, some might be new choruses and I'm sorry we can't flash it up, but God is good. And after a couple of times, I'm sure you'll pick up the choruses. Please join me in prayer. The Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this Wednesday night. We appreciate these services, Lord, where you can speak to us. Lord, I honestly believe that you do speak to us, and that's why I want to say thank you for speaking to us in the past. And Lord, we commit our future into your hands and pray that you'll continue to guide us and guide us every step of the way, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your calling in my life. And I thank you, Lord, for every child of God present in church here tonight uh, that has proven to be faithful and are here because they feel it's one of the important things in their lives. Father, bless the service tonight. Be with us. Commit our world into your hands, not only our country, but our world into your hands and every one of our assemblies, Father. Help us, we pray. Raise up men that can herald the word of God 
to a lost world. Bless the service again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Like I said earlier, we are living in trying times, and what we are going through, the world has gone through many experiences like this, and what I'm talking about, I'm speaking about the situation in the Mideast, 
uh, that can escalate, that can grow and become a world situation. However, nothing happens outside of God's timetable. One of the good things about God is that he works with his timing. Um, I might read some prophecies and feel like I've got a handle in God, and I pretty well know what he's going to do, and he does otherwise. I'm thinking, uh, before I even start to look at the scripture that I have in front of me here, I'm thinking of the Lord raising up John the Baptist, one of the greatest men that ever lived in his time. He was among men, them that are born of women, Jesus said, there has not risen a greater than John. However, in the kingdom, the one that's the least in the kingdom with the new body and the, uh, the new nature will be greater than John. So we are all looking forward for a time when the kingdom of God will come. But the Lord had sent John the Baptist and told him, and he said, preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when John went out to preach that message, he was positively convinced in his heart that the establishment of the kingdom was at hand. That's the message God gave him. Go preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, like, unlike Jonah, John the Baptist preached what God told him to preach. When the Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell the people that he will judge the nation and judge them in 40 days, God will destroy Nineveh. Jonah, understanding a little bit about God, he understood that God, if the people repent, God will change his mind. And he, preaching the message very strong, He's not going to say, maybe God will judge him. No, he was told to preach that God was going to judge them. And if the people repented, then he would look like a fool. And so he fled to Tarshish. And you know the story of Jonah the whale. He got thrown out in a storm, and he was brought back to the shores of Nineveh, and he had to preach the message. And, and when he was done and the people started to repent, he got vexed. He got upset. God, that's why I did not want to go to begin with. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is that God owes no one an explanation. When the Lord says, when Jesus said right, left, right side of the boat, he meant right side. When the Lord told Naaman, dip seven times, he meant seven times. When Jesus said, fill six water pots with water, he meant six, not seven, even though seven is a better number. And so when the Lord told John the Baptist to go preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand, do you know Jesus preached that same message? There are scriptures to show that Jesus preached that people needed to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. But only God in his wisdom knew that the kingdom of heaven was not at hand, but it was a message to be preached like it should be preached, 
And then when the Jews rejected the, the message of John the Baptist and they rejected Jesus, God turned to the Gentiles. And the kingdom of God was postponed for 2,000 years. And I'm saying 2,000 years because it's this not, today is 2,000, you know, it's coming to 2,000 years since John preached. Is it 2,000 years or is it going to be more? I'm just telling you the best speculation I can make. It seems like it's postponed for 2,000 years. Someone uh, interpreted the scripture that in the last day said, God, I will pour out of my spirit. And they said the last days is describing the last 2,000 years of Gentile time thousand years will come to our period of time. Now all of that is complicated and I don't want to complicate your mind. Uh, what I want to say is that even John was expecting the Messiah to come and establish the kingdom. And when he didn't see it, he questioned that. Someone said, well, he didn't question. Yes, he did. He sent his disciples to Jesus and he says, ask him, if he is the Messiah, or we have to look for another one. John was in prison. And so John, his disciples went, found out, and came back to John, and they said to John, well, he said, go tell John about the miracles you've seen and whatever you've seen. But Jesus did not answer that question. He did not say, yes, go tell him I'm the Messiah. He did not answer the question that uh, when the disciples asked him when Jesus was about to be uh, taken up from this earth, and it says, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom? Even up to that point in time, the disciples were convinced that the message John preached was true. The kingdom of heaven was at hand, and all the gospel writers agreed on that. But God said, no, I will visit the Gentiles. And so they had to learn that from experience. However, when this Jesus was taken up, and Jesus, before he was taken up, the disciple says, Lord, will you establish the kingdom now? And Jesus looked at them, and he did not answer their question. He said, it is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which the Father has set in his own power. He says, but you go to Jerusalem and tarry, and you'll receive power from on high. You'll receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, did Jesus know that the kingdom would be postponed? I think he did, but he did not tell his disciples. The impact of, having, of not knowing would be lessened if you know. Well, I know that God wants me to have an accident today, and he's going to teach me a lesson, so I go out there, and I have the accident, but I prepare for that. When an experience happens without your knowledge, and it just is abrupt, it gives you a better chance to develop faith and confidence in God. I'm saying all of that to say that we are living at this time where any one time, if the scriptures are, are like we see them, 
And these are the last days that we're living at that time that any one time there could be a world war. Um, today, it's not a world war. Today, they're uh, Jews that are fighting and the Palestinians are fighting. And I recently posted something on Facebook that those of you that follow me, if you can sit down and look at that video, it will give you a better understanding that not everybody that's walking in Palestine is a terrorist. Just to have some bad guys. And someone says, I'm pro-Israel. Well, good for you. And the other one says, I'm pro-Palestine. Good for you. But he's saying, what are you? I want to say I'm pro-God. <laughs> but I prefer to say I'm pro-humanity. Because whether you're Muslim or you're atheist or you're Hindu or you're Palestinian or you're Israel Israelite, if you're a mother and a situation arises that you'd have to run with your little child into the cold and you don't know if you're going to live, you're a young girl that's gone to college and you're about to graduate and then they start the war. And you've got to run. So we've had a little experience in that when Timothy was about to graduate from high school, COVID had started, right? Yes. COVID started and he could not graduate like every other kid graduating. They had to graduate online. And when you miss your graduation, it's an important event in your life. And so he missed that. And a lot of kids missed important events in their lives. And when someone is, has their own plan, someone is planning to get married, and then there's a war, and you got to run. And we were told of one young man that threw himself on a grenade to save his fiancée. War is horrible. It is terrible. And I am pro humanity Amen. and <laughs> you know I told you on the weekend that I found the butterfly and I took care of it I told you well you won't believe what I found today Indy a snake he is about I thought it was an earthworm but I look at that's not an earthworm he's about four inches long curled up under a little thing that I had in the garden so I could not let him go I took him pull him up put him in a bottle a nice little jar looked at him took some videos of him and then I said poor little thing I let him go because he's trying to get out he's not a dangerous snake uh, if even if he was I wouldn't know uh, I let him go. And if I could do that to animals, and I could do that to birds, and I could do that to, you know, to, to things that are not as important as human beings, how much more should we not care for and pray for those people that's in a war-torn country? Let this put a little pressure on us that we pray for people that are in countries that they're starving and don't have food. 
And we might say we don't have. We always have enough to share. You know, it doesn't take a lot to give someone $5. Uh, we have learned to help people that we can't even afford to help, but they look forward for your help, and you try to help them. And so, when I'm weighing all of this, I want to bring to our attention a few things that are important. First of all, I'll talk a little bit about Israel. And I'm a watchman. I am a watchman. A pastor or a preacher ought to be a watchman. But if my spiritual vision is not 2020, I might have something pass before me that I fail to see. A man that is called to the ministry cannot afford to miss anything. He's got to watch out for the people and be able to understand the times. Unfortunately, COVID-19 came and not a single preacher saw it coming. We have storms that come. And I mean, we speak in tongues, we shake, we do all kinds of stuff in church. But a storm would come and they... And the meteorologist has a better handle of what's coming than the preacher. And it means that we talk more than we are willing to offer. We have a lot of talk, little walk. And a lot of us that say, I believe God, we really don't believe God. Amen. A lot of people that would show up when it's convenient to them in church and would not show up otherwise, they're not a believer. That's a, just a person hanging on to the church until uh, the devil knocks them out. And so, when I'm thinking of Israel, and recently I told this church that the reason why this Bible is so thick, especially the Old Testament, is because God had to deal with a rebellious nation. Mm -hmm. And I can't because Israel is in trouble. I say, well, I'm pro-Israel. No, I'm not pro-Israel. I'm not pro-any hypocrite. And as I look at it, Israel is supposedly God's people. But I'll tell you a little bit about God's people in the past, and then I'll tell you a little bit about us, God's people, today. So in Jeremiah, it says there, and Jeremiah is writing, and uh, we know chapter 1, he talks about the Lord tells him to go preach to the people and don't be afraid of their faces. And in verse 10, he says, For I've set thee this day over the nations and over the kingdom, kingdoms to root out. He's not talking about the nations of the world. He's talking about the nation of Israel. These little regions. He says to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, and to then to build and to plant. Uh, what was Israel at this particular time? Well, the only reason why Jeremiah came was the people were in rebellion. The only reason why Isaiah came was not to tell us about the death of Christ and uh, he was wounded for our transgression. No, he came to Israel because they were in rebellion. And today... May I inform you 
that the majority of Israelites living in Jerusalem are unsaved. Fifteen, approximately fifteen out of every hundred, that is fifteen percent of the Jews are Orthodox Jews. Kind of. They're religious. You know the ones with the things hanging on them? They're the religious ones. And they go to the Wailing Wall and they pray and they do their little stuff and put a prayer in the wall. And I was telling Brother Terry, I said, did you ever pray? If you go to Jerusalem, would you take a, a prayer and put it in the wall like the Jews? And uh, I don't know, he might do that if he has a chance to go. I said, the only thing I ever stuck in a wall was when I was a kid, I had some evil friends. My friends were always hoodlums. And so uh, we, they, the assistant to the priest asked us to clean the church, the Anglican church. And so while we're cleaning the church, uh, there, the priest, the assistant uh, to the priest, he's cooking for us because we give him some money to cook a nice lunch for us. And so he's cooking up chicken for us while we're cleaning the church. He has a group of boys he wants, these good boys, devils, to clean the church. And while we're cleaning the church, someone says, hey, I brought a pack of cigarettes. Here, try one. So I took one. <laughs> I mean, I got hoodlums for friends. I took a cigarette and I put it in my mouth and I lighted it. And I pulled. And when I pulled it, it almost choked me to death. And so I took it out, out it from being on fire and stuck it in the wall in the Anglican church. The only thing I ever stuck in the wall was a cigarette and it might still be there if they never fixed that wall. I don't believe that we need to have some tradition that we need to follow. We need to be able to think for ourselves. And today, Israel is not a godly nation. And we must be able to do what God tells us to do, but at the same time, we must be able to see with God's eyes. What does God think? What is God doing? And so, let me share with you a little bit about how God feels about his people when they're in rebellion. And they, the dance party they had, is it good to, for somebody to just go kill kids, whether they're saved or unsaved? No. Uh, hum, human life is important. So they, the terrorists did not do a good thing. And I don't blame Israel fighting back. I mean, they're not getting direction from God. I mean, somebody hurt their people, so they hurt them back. You understand what I'm saying? But I am in favor of worrying about people that are suffering the consequences of people that are warmongers and are terrorists. And may God give us this attitude because if the Lord resurrect me and puts me on a throne, I want to govern like Jesus governs with equity and with righteousness. I'll be a judge over the poor that I can, if it takes 1,000 years, I will wait for you to change. I wouldn't force you. I wouldn't put a gun on your head and say, serve God. 
That's why it takes a thousand years, because the Lord is not going to snap his finger and get it done. For God, that's no time. Uh, for the bride of Christ, it's no time, because they already would have eternal life, um, e immortality, where there's no distinction of present, past, and future. But here in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he is, the Lord tells him, prepares him, and says, don't be afraid of their faces, because guess what? God knew they're going to pout their face, they're going to be rebellious, because God knew his people. So when Jeremiah comes here in chapter 2, the Lord said here, Israel, verse 3, Israel was holiness, was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devoured him shall offend, evil shall come upon them. When you touch Israel, when Israel was holy, evil will come upon you. But when Israel is not holy, I'm not sure what's going to come on you. When Israel was a holy nation, you touched Israel, you're in trouble. But I wondered today if God is sending people to touch Israel because of their rebellion. I pray that the will of God be done. That's a dangerous prayer. And he goes on here, he says, verse 5, uh, it says, Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your father found in me, God, <clears throat> that they are gone far from me and have walked, in, walked after vanity and have become vain? God says, your ancestors, your fathers in the faith, what evil did they see in me that their children are serving the world and are becoming vain? I looked at a little clip of the kids in that music festival. And I'm so glad it's not our children looking like that. Well, maybe the ones we back that backslide from the church are probably looking like that. It's not a reason to go kill them. But is there God there? Absolutely not. And so, we're not taking sides here. We're just trying to understand what happened in the past. And it says, thus said the Lord, what iniquity, that Israel has become, uh, walked after vanity and become vain. Neither said they, where is the Lord? They're not even concerned about where is God that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. No, they don't really care. They have lost contact with God. And that is why, if you read the book of Judges, when Israel came out of the land of of Egypt and got settled in the promised land ever so often they went back into serving idols and serving other gods that they had to go back into captivity you understand what I'm saying and when we use Israel as a type that says God is telling us come out of Babylon just like Israel came out of Egypt if Babylon was a city or some organization, it would have been easy to come out of it. But Babylon is a spirit in our day. The world today is spiritual Babylon. And when Israel came out of literal Egypt, Israel went back. Their hearts were not converted, so they went back into doing contrary things. And they went over 
and over and over back into captivity. When I came out of where I came out from and the religious movement I was of, and I came and I found the body of Christ. In those days, we did not have television because that was evil. In those days, we did not wear a lot of jewelry because that was evil. In those days, we did not believe in sports and all this thing that's going on because that was evil. Well, I want to tell you something. When I look at the body of Christ and see the way we put Christmas trees in our homes and we celebrate all the pagan customs and all the pagan uh, celebrations, I think we've gone back to Babylon. We have drifted back into Egypt. The mentality uh, that was in the Israelites is in us. But let me deal with the Israelites before I come back to us, right? And so, let's look at Israel here. It says in verse 8, the priest does not even say, where is the Lord? Nobody seeks after God. That is why when a disease like COVID-19 comes, it knocks people dead while they're praising God in church. Because we are doing a formality of God, trying to have a form of godliness, but we don't have the power thereof. All right, keep that in mind. Uh, the priests don't say, where is the Lord? Did, and um, they that handle the law does not have an experience with me. They knew me not. The pastors also transgress against me. And the prophets prophesy by the devil and walk after things that do not profit. You see, if you have a church service going on and the worship is organized by the devil... And by the time the worship is over, there's enough flesh in the service and flesh in the worship. And we think about music and rhythm and beat and dance. The flesh comes in and demonic spirits get in the church and people actually prophesy under the influence of the devil. That's what God says here. Israel did it, but you know, you and I are immune. We can't do that. Huh? We're looking at a nation of Israel, and we're trying to judge Israel today by history. And we don't want to give our mouth liberty. May God bust them in. No, no, no. I don't know. May God have mercy on everyone out there. May God save his people. May God's work be accomplished like he wants it to be accomplished. You understand? Armageddon is about knocking on the door. I don't know. Did I ever say that? Okay, so you don't say it. Armageddon. No, don't say that. Uh, God has his own time for everything. And then when you come down here, it says, my people, verse 13, my people have committed two great evils. Uh, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. In other words, they claim they got an experience, but they don't really have an experience. The fountain of living water is not available. And they have hewed out cisterns that cannot even hold a good spirit in it. And so before you know it, the churches have gone back to Babylon. 
So we can call ourselves body of Christ or put it in all capital letters. It doesn't make a difference if we are drinking of the wine of the woman's fornication of Revelation 17. The Lord said in verse 18, Now, what hast thou to do with the way of Egypt? Come on, children of God, you belong to the Lord. What, what you got to do with the way of Hollywood? Today I took two big boxes of books to, that I had in, the life, in my little personal, you know, I collect books. I like to collect books, you know, and uh, there was a time I like to have, when you walk in there, you see all these books, and you know I'm a student of the scripture. When you see the titles behind me, you know, I'm the student of the scripture. So yesterday, I took all the students of the scripture books, a whole bunch, put them in boxes and took them to the Christian bookstore. And believe it or not, I mean, amongst all of that, it has how to believe the Trinity. <laughs> so what is that doing? You see, when you're mixing wine, before you know it, you got the wrong wine in the wrong container and the bottles are mixed up. And before you know it, you have theologians that belong to Babylon teaching you. But a Terry has five degrees from Babylon. Sorry, bro. Yeah, he got five degrees from Babylon. And that's where we get our degrees, whether it's academic degree or whatever. It's the world teaching you. When Jesus comes back and establishes the kingdom, your degree would not worth anything. Whether it's a doctorate in medicine or it's a doctorate in science or some other degree, archaeology or something. When Jesus comes back, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Amen. And here it says, the Lord says, what are you to do with uh, Egypt and to drink of the water of Sire or the Nile? Or what hast thou to do with the way of Assyria to drink the waters of that river? Why are you drinking of rivers that I don't ordain for you to drink of, spiritually speaking. Thine own wickedness shall, corrupt, shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Now know there, therefore, and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that I was forsaken the Lord thy God, and my fear is not in thee. See, the fear of God is not, is not in 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 a lot of people in us, among us, and not in the land of Egypt, uh, land of Israel. And it goes on, there's a lot here to be said, but I'm, I don't want to stay in that. I want to come over here to Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, and with a nation in this condition, uh, chapter 33 of Ezekiel, the Lord must raise up watchmen. And here is the thing. The Lord is bringing up a watchman. We have done this scripture over and over again. So I'm not going to go over the whole thing. But uh, when the children of Israel. Uh, when God is bringing a sword. What the people need to do in the first few verses. Is to, is to uh, select a watchman to watch out. Uh, when the enemy is coming. And it says in chapter 33, but, verse 6, if the watchman see the sword coming and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take 
any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require to watch a man's hand. It is sad that most of us preachers are spiritually blind to what God is doing in the world. And when the, well, the watchman knows what's happening after it happened, after half the people are dead, then the watchman, all right. Sad, but it's true. You poor people listening to me tonight. This message is for preachers. And I pray to God that some preachers, and there are preachers that would access this message. And what I'm saying is that God has set up watchmen in the world, but if a watchman fails to do his job, then he is a misfit, and the blood of the people that he pastors, their blood of their lost souls would be required at his hand. And whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, or whether you're a Christian or an unsaved individual, here's what it says in verse 11. The Lord says, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is going to jump up because the wicked are dying. He says, I don't have no pleasure in the wicked. Um, wages of sin is death. He chooses death for himself. You understand? The gift of God is eternal life. God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked man, but, but that wicked man turn from his way and live. Attorney, attorney, uh, from your evil ways, uh, for uh, why will you die, O house of Israel? God is telling Israel, he says here. And so we look at verse 12. Therefore, thus set, thus thou, thou, therefore thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. Well, I'm a part of the Gospel Assembly Church. Listen, if you disobey God and violate the principles of God's law, your past righteousness is not going to save you. He will judge you. Amen. Today, in the church, it's the same thing in the nation of Israel. If Israel is doing righteousness in the sight of God, God will save it. If Israel is violating the commandments of God and are not honoring God like they should, God will judge it. And the same happens in the church. And the Lord says, he says, uh, as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Now here's the man that's not a, a one of us, but he turns. And when he turns from his wickedness, neither shall the righteousness, uh, neither shall the righteous uh, be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. As a righteous man sins and gets judged, an unrighteous man keeps the law and he lives. Simple. God does not have fun in the death of the wicked. Verse 13. When I say, when, when I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely die, if he trust in his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall be, not be remembered, but for his iniquity, 
that he had committed, he shall die for it. Again, I, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die if he turn from his sin and do that which is lawful and right. If the wicked restore the pledge and give it back that he had robbed and walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live and he shall not die. See, God operates like that, and that's how we must understand how God operates. But I've got 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes, to finish this lesson, and I'd like to turn over uh, to the New Testament and deal with us a little bit. And the best place to start is in Matthew chapter 24. And I'm leaving that whole first part, Matthew chapter 24, and I'm coming to the uh, chapter 24, and verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not the hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man in the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ready, <clears throat> for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, when Jesus came to this earth <clears throat> 2,000 years ago, excuse me, I need some water. When Jesus came to this earth <clears throat> 2,000 years ago, there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, you and I, over the years, we have condemned the Pharisees because Jesus called them hypocrites. Paul was a Pharisee. And Paul writes and he describes himself as a Pharisee in Philippians, the third chapter and verse 5. He says... Concerning, um, I'm reading that quickly, I'm getting over to Philippians, the third chapter here, and we are finding out who the Pharisees were. And Paul, uh, let me get here, Philippians, the third chapter, verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the tribe, stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, Paul says, I was a Pharisee. If you turn back into Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 26, and I'm finding it here very quickly. Sorry, we don't have a flash up. For those of you that depend on the flash up. In Acts chapter 26, when Paul is standing before King Agrippa, and he's being tried, he describes himself like this. He says, my manner of life, verse 4, from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, known all the Jews. He says, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most, the most straightest, the strictest, the most disciplined sect of our religion, he says, I was a Pharisee. Touching the law, blameless. Straightest of sect, Pharisee. And so when you think of the Pharisee, we're relating close now, not to the Old Testament, to the Jews in the Old Testament. We're talking about our day, coming from our day. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 23, before we get into 24 and finish off the lesson, in Matthew chapter 23, uh, Jesus is making a statement here in verse 2. Then, verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The Pharisee 
the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that you observe and do, but do not after their works, for they say and do not. In other words, the Pharisees were saying the right thing that Moses said. He, they were promoting the moral law. But they came, they added to the moral law all kinds of little principles. And it says, verse 4, And they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulder. And I hate to say this, but I have to say it. I don't really hate to say it. But we are the Pharisees of the 21st century. We in Gospel Assembly Church are the Pharisees. We are the straightest of sect of all the churches around the world, I think. That's what I think, my best judgment. But we have laid heavy burdens on people. We got to tell you how to dress, how to dress not, not modestly. We tell you what color to wear, what to do. And we come with all of these principles. We're not free when we come to church to serve God. We got to work with what the organization has set up as a principle. We have laid, like the Pharisees in Jesus' days, heavy burden upon the people. That's not how we should operate. But the Pharisees did that, and they were a bunch of hypocrites, I know. But listen to what they were in chapter 15. Jesus, with all their understanding, and all their knowledge, and all their, their, their wisdom, chapter 15 tells us, uh, the disciples came to Jesus and made a statement to him like this, because they did not wash the hand of Pharisees, were getting upset and they argued with Jesus. And Jesus said, you hypocrites, verse 7, well did Isaiah prophesy of you. He says, this people draw nigh unto me with their mouth. She coming to church and singing loud and getting all involved, is not as important as how you live, when the service is over. If you're drinking of the streams that run from Egypt, you need to be saved. If you're taking in the culture of the ungodly, you need to be saved. And he says here, he says, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments, the burdens, the principles of men. Now, I believe in certain principles, but when our principles push truth aside and become a God in our midst, then the principles must be eliminated. The principles of God's word must be lifted up. And so, when we think about this, it says, when Jesus said all of these and he told them about how they were, uh, the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, verse 12, Knowest not thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard thy saying? When they heard that, Jesus said, In vain do you all worship God. He says, In vain do you worship God. If this tape goes into the hands of some of our ministers in this fellowship, they would not even want me to go to their meeting. Guess what? I ain't got the kind of money to go to all these meetings. God has set me in this church to pastor the church. I have a bunch of rebellious saints in this church. 
had a beautiful phone call from Brother Antoine uh, today. And he said to me, he says, Brother Singh, I'm really concerned about that you're doing too much work in that church that you should not be doing. He says, where are the men? I told him he can find them. I said, but I got to do something. I was there early this morning. I know the saints are coming. And I know the people fill up that whole bunch of sand all there. I came and I made sure that it looks tidy, that the front doesn't look like it's a mud uh, mud street, muddy street. I came early and did that. Chandri, was I healthy today? No. I had pains today. I had growing, I had all kinds of pains. And Brother, when I, Brother Antoine called me, I said, I'm actually not feeling well. I'm lying in bed. And then I slept for about 20 minutes. I got energy, get up to go cut the grass. But Brother Antoine wanted to find out where are the men in your church. He saw. He looked around and he looked. And whatever he saw, he saw. I didn't complain to him. Isn't that sad? It's not sad for me because a man is watching out for me. And he told me, says, Brother Singh, you're a very important man to me. And I want to see you not suffering before you get older. Anyways, I'm running out of time. And Jesus, the Pharisees were offended. And so Jesus said in verse 14, let them alone. The straightest of sect of the Jewish religion, just let them be. Oh, let them be. Don't go try to convert them. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of blind followers. And as I stand here, as I sit here in this church, and I stand to preach in this church, I offer light. I offer understanding that could help someone to see the future. But what I'm preaching is not just theory, it must be lived. And if it's not lived, you will become blind being a part of Gospel Assembly Church here in Mississauga. And you can sit in a most powerful church and you can become blind. You can be the straightest of sect of the Jewish religion and you're spiritually blind. And when you're blind, you'll end up in the ditch. And the ditch, uh, the scripture says in Proverbs, the ditch, the, the mouth of a whore is a deep ditch. You figure it out. And so one last scripture and then I'm done. Matthew chapter 24, the end of that chapter uh, concludes like this. And so today... We're talking about Israel, we're talking about Mideast, we're talking about the Palestinians, we're talking about people running, we're talking what kind of pro we are. I'm pro-humanity. I'm pro-church. I'm pro-child of God. I'm not pro to anybody that's living ungodly. You understand what I'm saying? Whether your name is Israel or your name is Palestine or whatever it is. If you're living ungodly, I'm not pro you. I'm praying that God would save you. Can you all say amen sometimes? Amen. And so, Jesus said here in verse 44, Therefore be ready, for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is the wise servant? 
whom the Lord has made ruler of his household to give them meat, meat in due season, not stale bread, not from a commentary, not from some Bible seminary somewhere. You give them meat that is necessary for their survival today. This message tonight is for us today. It helps you to understand where we stand. Don't follow the crowd. I was telling somebody the other day about the emperor's new clothes, about the two con men coming to, uh, to, we might have to cut out some of the worship, Brother Joe, on posting this. But um, uh, two con men came to town, and they were con men. And so they came, and they wanted to see the king. And they said, King, we're here to sew a nice clothes for the emperor. Emperor, right? And they said, the emperor said, let me see the materials. They said, well, only the wise people can see it. And so they got nothing in their hands. And so the emperor said, what? They said, only the wise people can see it. They said, he said, oh, that's beautiful material. There's nothing. And then the news went around the city that only the wise can see it. So when the emperor finally had his clothes dressed, uh, done, and he's marching down the street to show everybody his emperor's new clothes, and all the city saying, oh, he looks so nice. He looks so good. Until a little boy saw the emperor. And he says, he's naked. Then everybody said, well, really and truly, he's naked indeed. You know what? People like to say. We are copycats in today's world. Can you think for yourself? Let everybody pro this and pro that. Come on, think for yourself. Let the word of God direct your steps. These are dangerous days not to think the right way. And so Jesus said, Blessed is that servant when he come shall give the meat in due season. Verse 46, Blessed is that servant whom the Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Very I say unto him, unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. There are some people that would be rewarded, but they are evil servants that said the Lord is delaying, so let's eat and drink with the drunkard in society. We need a degree from a Bible seminary. Uh, we need something, some books from, from Babylon to put in our library. You know, great guys of the past. Listen, if they're not believing in the word of God like they should believe, they're not a part of what God wants to do, then you can't put confidence. You can't promote uh, wine from a, some, any, any part of society. All right? And it, he began to smite his fellow servants, the ones that really are preaching the truth, is being smitten, and he shall start to eat and drink with the drunk. And the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and now that he is not aware, well, he's not aware. He don't keep tab on, he don't let God lead him. He let his own ego lead him. And that is what is happening today. Many of us, we are led by our own ego and by traditionalism, and we are led, leading our people back into apostate Christianity. And may God have mercy in us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this Wednesday night. I'm glad I was in church, Father, and I'm glad that you have touched my mind that I could share these thoughts with your people here tonight. Touch our minds, O God. Help us that are half blind to improve on our vision and to start seeing. Help the watchmen today, Father, 
to have a vision that they can see, not to be contaminated with the wine of society and the wine of the world and the wine of religions around the world. Help us to be able to come to the place where you can direct our steps. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen.